I'm just going to change my glasses. A few weeks ago, I talked about control alt delete, a reset. Um, I don't know whether you've ever been using, let me take as an example. Um, you've been using your computer and it's been getting slower and slower and slower. And what's going on behind the scenes is one program's getting confused and it's getting confused with another program. And all, it's all getting knotted up, basically. Uh, and if you ever run your IT department at work, they'd often say, reboot, time for a reboot. And probably they told you to press Control or delete and choose that option. Or if that doesn't work, switch the machine off and switch it back on again. And that quite often sorts things out. Because basically the settings will get confused. And I use that as an example to say that sometimes our lives can kind of get a bit muddled. Sometimes our settings can all get a bit out of kilter. And that actually, as we start to share in our lives with others and we rub up with other people, we find that uh, we need a control or delete. We need a reset. We need a system reboot. Now, typically what happens when you reboot a system is it starts up again and it chooses the settings and off it goes. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't work either. And so you have to reset to the system default, the original design. I don't know whether you've sensed your life is maybe slowing down a bit, got a bit muddled, needs a bit untangling. Maybe there's a time for a Control-Alt-Delete. Maybe there's a time for a system reset and we go back to some basics. The kind of things that the, the handbook says. Pray. Read God's word. Be filled with the spirit. Trust God. Live out his truth. Because I want to build upon that foundation that I laid last time. I think I got it up there. Yeah, that, that was the last slide from, I think it was three weeks ago. Three options that we could choose here. To choose thankfulness. To see value in others. And to be an encourager. Three things that maybe we could just make a different system setting. That instead of choosing to be unthankful or not saying anything, we choose to say thank you. We choose thankfulness every time. That instead of seeing rubbish, we see value. Instead of seeing people as they are, we see as God, them as God sees them. And then to choose to be an encourager. In the midst of who we are, in the midst of what we're doing, we choose to be an encourager. And I want to build upon that and go further forward. So I want to start in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. And you'll see where this goes when I've read a couple of scriptures and set some, some basic foundations here. Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But those who are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also live, give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you have to make a decision, do you weigh up all the odds, the pros and the cons, and then make a decision about how you feel about something? Because, you know, some, some days, um, let me give you a really simple example. Let's say you have to choose what you're going to eat for lunch. You, t- you go to the bakers over the road from where you work, and they make lovely sandwiches and cream cakes and all those other things, and you have to make a choice. On a day when you're feeling a bit down and you want to treat yourself, you might say, I'm going to treat myself with a cream cake. On a day when you're trying to think about fitness and healthiness, you might say, no, I'm going to have brown sa- salad, sa- brown, salad sandwiches on brown bread. And so you can see how how you feel affects the choice that you make. I'm not saying this either's wrong at all, but it affects the choice that we make. And actually, that could be reflected in all areas of life. How we, our attitude to work. If we've had a bad night's sleep and we've slept funny and our neck's all out of its crypt and we're a bit grumpy and we, we, we head, into, head into work, you know, we probably greet the receptionist with a morning. And that sets the day because the receptionist thinks, well, I'm not speaking to him then. He's a bit grumpy this morning. And then she gets a phone call or she gets given something that needs to be given to you urgently and she puts it on one side and consequently your whole day becomes in a mess. Or actually, no, you wake up full of the joys of spring. Everything seems to run smoothly. You drive to work and there's no one in your way. Every traffic light seems to be green. And you arrive at work and you breeze through the door and you say to the receptionist, good morning, how are you today? Can you see how different days are affected by how we feel? And if we allow the flesh to drive what we choose, then we will often make a wrong choice. We will often make a wrong choice. But if we do according to the Spirit, we're led by God and we're not driven by our feelings, not driven by how our body is today. We're not carnally minded. We're not driven by the sensory things, the things that give us pleasure. We're driven by the things that please God. You know, the spirit, living in the spirit is an awesome place to be. I think it was only last Sunday. um, I I come every Sunday morning to set up at about 10 o'clock. And I think as Yasmin came through the door, she said, oh, you must have been here for ages. Because I, I managed to do quite a bit. But you know, it was one of those mornings when I prayed before I came. I said, Lord, uh, I pray everything goes smoothly this morning. And it was one of those mornings when the traffic lights were green and there were no cars in the way and I pulled up and I parked. You know, sometimes things take you ages. Maybe you're trying to uh, thread something through a small hole. And you've got to do it every day. Maybe just tying something up, tying the balloons up, something like that. And on that morning, last Sunday... Everything was first time, bang, done, bang, done. I hadn't been here any longer than I normally would have been. But just things seemed to fly. So it's just great to live a life by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, But God reveals them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And God wants to speak to us, not just about our daily living and whether we should choose a, you know, a or B, but the deep things of God, the deep things of our lives. God desires that we would be a satisfied people. People who find deep 
sense of purpose and a deep sense of fulfilment in doing what he's called us to do. And in doing what he's called us to do, we step into his will and into his ways. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There are many scriptures, there are many scriptures that talk about a spiritual life and a spiritual realm and a spiritual dimension. And we pray with that in mind. We don't just think about the physicality of how we feel and what we are and what we do. We pray about the spirit. Isabel was talking about that when she said, I've been to Scotland and prayed. Didn't go and pray at people, she prayed in Scotland. And my challenge to us is, are we spiritually minded or are we carnally minded? Where is our focus? I remember praying for a young lady in Mexico many years ago, and she was applying for permission um, to, 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 to build, um, it wasn't a church building, it was a church hall. She was applying to build a, a church hall um, next to their church. They needed a particular piece of paper. They needed a particular permission from the city council. And that's what they were waiting for. They had the money, they were ready to go, and she was in charge of this project and making it happen. And they'd been and they'd knocked on the door of the council, they'd been to the city council a number of times and told, yes, it's, it's being processed, we'll let you know. And this had gone on for months and months and months, and they'd knocked on the door and they said, yes, it's being processed, just wait, be patient. And they said, it's time we prayed. And I was there when we prayed. We, we got together and we had a particular prayer meeting about this. And the church said, we want to pray. We're going to pray about this day. Would you, would you pray? And so we met together. I met with the church. I met with the leadership. And we prayed. And there was a prophetic picture that was brought forward that said this paper, the paperwork was stuck. Someone was putting, and there was, there was a sense, there was a picture somebody had of this particular piece of paper sitting on someone's desk and a great big rock sitting on this paper. And this paper was not moving. It was not getting processed. And they felt it was something spiritual, not something fleshly, not just something that somebody had forgot. They felt that there was something going on. So we prayed. And we prayed, God, unlock, break through, release this paperwork, give permission, bring liberty. And somebody again saw another picture of a, a, almost a, an angelic person walking past and knocking the rock off the paper and the paper falling on the floor and it, when it got picked up, it ended up on the top of the pile, not under the rock. I, I, I was in Mexico for a couple of weeks at this particular point, um, and I got, a, I got a, uh, a text from the church saying, Dave, you'll, you'll never believe this. said, the paperwork's all been approved three days after we'd prayed. Now, I don't believe that's about physicality. I think that's about spirituality. I think there's an element of seeing in the spirit what's going on in the spirit and dealing with it in the spirit. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, and I'm going to read from Romans 12, beginning at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one of us as a measure of faith. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, my, my picture as I kind of read through this scripture was most buildings, especially tall buildings in the UK, have a thing called a lightning rod. And a lightning rod is a piece of metal that runs to the top of the building, down to the bottom of the building, it goes into the ground. It just means if you are in a, a zone where you might get struck by lightning, that the electricity instead of going through the building is taken down through the lightning rod. It's a connectivity point. And I believe that God wants us to be connectivity points for him, where he can strike earth, not in a nasty way, but to release his spirit. And we can be the lightning rods that attract and, and carry forth and carry through the heaven-touching earth. And as that happens, as, as heaven touches earth, gifts are released. Gifts according to our faith. And I read that in Romans 12 there. You know, if, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. If your gift is ministry, then use it to ministering to others. And this is where I started part one of this, was use the gifts that God has called us to use. Use the gifts that God has given us. Let heaven touch earth in proximity to where we are. Be the lightning rod of Christ and allow our blessing to come. And I guess part of the picture that I, I see here is that actually light drives back darkness. Light drives back darkness. So we need not fear darkness because actually there is the light, the light of Christ in us. But do you know what light multiplies? When you bring two lights together, there seems to be more light than just one on its own. Light is not additive, it's multiplicative. And so as we bring the light of Christ into different locations, into different circumstances, we see breakthrough, we see change. I was praying um, at Royal Holloway on Tuesday, um, and uh, there was a number of us gathering together to pray. And as we were praying, we saw a picture of light bursting forth across the campus. I don't know whether you, where you work, where you live, where you are, you feel whether it's dark or whether it's full of light. But I want to encourage you, be a light bearer and carry the lights that you have to the place that you've been called to be. Because, do you know what? If one person holds up a light, then someone else who's got a light can be attracted to that light. Now you have two people who are light carriers together. Instead of two people standing separately, now your light burns more brightly. The, Christ, the light of Christ burns in you together. And so now there are two people. Imagine me standing with one torch. I'm lighting this room and the, the, the electricity's gone out. There's sunlight. And as somebody's walking past who's also got a torch, they see that light and they come and they gather with me. And now that means that now the light here is brighter than anywhere else. And so other lights are drawn to you. And as those lights are drawn to you, the light burns brighter, as uh, was it Graham Kendrick wrote, in the heart of the darkness. Let the light of Christ burn in you. Let those settings be brighter and bolder and stronger. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it says this. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which has been made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God has a will for our lives. He has a, a plan and a purpose. I could have gone to one of my favourite scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11, I won't. But God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And that plan is mapped out with others. There are things that God will achieve. And if, if, he, if he won't achieve it through you, he'll find someone else. Because there are things that God needs to be done. But you know, as we reflect the light of Christ, we reflect it into the world, to others and through others. There's a film that I haven't watched for a while now, but you may have seen it, a film called Pay It Forward. Not a Christian film. Anybody seen it? Okay. It's a lovely little story about um, a chap who has, has, a, has a bit of a difficult life and decides to do good. And he, he decides that a good thing was done for him, so he's going to pay it for it. So for three other people, he does three significant things. Randomly, what, what we might call random acts of kindness. And one of them, for example, somebody turned up and just gave the car keys and said, this car is for you. And many, many years ago, when we had uh, the team from Regina from, uh, into his harvest coming through, um, Rod, who was the leader of the team, was into random acts of kindness. He said, something I think we should be doing. So they went into London a number of times as a team. And they caused random acts of kindness. In fact, I, I, I'm pretty sure my mother-in-law was uh, party to a random act of kindness fairly recently. She went to go to her local store to buy a newspaper and some milk and a few other things that she was going to pay with her credit card. She hadn't gone with her purse. She hadn't gone with any money. But they hadn't got her newspaper. So she went to a local store down the road. As she was walking down the road, she got chatting to a complete stranger. And she said, yes, I'm having to go down to um, the local store to buy my paper and some milk. I hope they will take a credit card because I haven't brought any cash. She carried on walking towards the store. And a little girl ran up to her and said, here's the money for your newspaper. And, and, uh, and Pauline said, no, thank you very much. It's very kind of your mum. Take it back. But, uh, and they, they, they took her payment on the credit card anyway. But... There was just a random act of kindness. Do you know what? I've told you about it. Pauline told me about it. Now there's a little story. I honestly believe it's a bit like skipping stones. If you're someone who's ever skipped stones, um, you, know, you, you try and bounce the stone. You spin it across and it bounces two, three, four, five times. Sometimes 11, 12, 13 if you're really good at it. I sense that sometimes when we do an act of kindness, it bounces on. It pays itself forward. Not just in terms of a random act of kindness, but in talking about it. I don't, let me give you some examples of little things that you can do. And I know you can do them because I've done some of these before. I remember standing um, in a queue to pay for a parking ticket. And you know those machines that now take credit cards and this person was really struggling to make it work, couldn't make it work. And there was a queue building up behind her. And she tried two or three times, and the people in the queue going, and then going off to another machine. But I stood behind her. In the end, I, I said, look, how long are you staying for? She said, oh, just an hour. I said, well, here's the money. And she put it in, and she paid for a ticket. Now, it was, it was a pound. It wasn't a lot of money. But you know what, what was interesting was 
she, she, I heard her going away and went, went back to a car. There's somebody else in a car. Because she had a loud voice, I could hear her across the car park. It's one of those underground car parks. I could hear what she was saying. She said, oh, this man paid for my, my parking. And she, she was most surprised. Now, I, I'm absolutely convinced that she will not be the only person she told about the fact that somebody paid for her parking. Let me give you a different story. And I, I claim to share this once before now, but Clem's church a number of years ago got given a whole pallet of chocolate. For you chocolate lovers, you're already drooling now. A whole pallet. So when I'm in a whole pallet, that's 144 boxes of chocolate. And a box probably holds, I'm guessing now, but let's say 200 bars of chocolate. That's thousands of bars of chocolate. They got given this whole pallet of chocolate. They said, what, what are we going to do with this? Yasmin would like to volunteer to be a sampler and a tester of it. Um, but they said, no, no, we're going to give it away to our community. Well, they didn't just want to give it away because, you know, if you go walk up to someone and give them, if a stranger walks up to you and gives you a bar of chocolate, what would you do? Say thank you. Oh, Yasmin <laughs> says thank you. Do you know a lot of people would say no, thanks, no, it's all right, um, because they want, they'd be very suspicious. So this is what Clem's Church decided to do. They decided that they were going to give a bar of chocolate away. So what they did was they opened up this community car wash. And they had a car wash. They said, come in and get your car wash for a dollar. And to every, and then as people left, they gave them a bar of chocolate. But inside the slip of the bar of chocolate was a dollar note. So the car wash had cost them nothing. So they pulled up, had their car washed, and they said blessings, and, and inside, and they gave them a bar of chocolate and said, this is for you, be blessed. So they had so many people who pulled up and uh, who, who drove out the car wash, were driving down the road, and then pulled up and came running back saying, excuse me, you've made a mistake. There was a dollar note in the chocolate. They said, no, no, we just want to bless you. And they said, why would you want to do that? And they were straight away into a conversation. You know, if they'd give, just given them a bar of chocolate, no one would have asked them a question. No one would have done it. They just said, thank you for the bar of chocolate. Can I have another one in Yasmin's case? But you know what? Just by doing that, now it cost them nothing. Because they got given the dollar and they gave the dollar back. So it cost them nothing. All it cost them was a bit of car washing. But do you know what? Clem said right throughout the community, there was stuff on social media, there was, this, there was stuff saying there's this crazy church who are giving away dollars with chocolate bars. And it caught, they, they ended up having a queue for people wanting to have their car washed. But it didn't cost the church anything. So there's just something about the wisdom of God sometimes that just allows us to be kind of crazy people but do some amazing things. So I want to encourage you, church, let's have a default setting of paying it forward. If somebody does something nice to you this week, would you choose to do something nice to somebody else? Maybe to two people. Let's be a multiplicative community. So if somebody does something nice for you, hold the door open. Really simple one. Hold the door open for you. Say thank you to them. But then hold the door open for two other people. Just see what happens. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm a great believer in observing this. Um, I'm, this. I'm not sure whether Juliet's going to be comfortable with this particular example. But you know when you're driving down the road and you can see there are people queuing to get in from the, the side roads. And the traffic's going very slowly. You know, quite often, I, if it's going really slowly, I'll flash my lights and I'll wave and I'll let the person in. Do you know what? Now I'm behind this person. Now I'm following them. And I see how they behave. And what's interesting is I believe that because I've let them in, in many situations, they then end up letting other people in. So they're paying it forward. 
So there's another challenge for you. Be gracious in your driving. Be gracious in what God calls you to do. And pay it forward. <laughs> and in Ephesians, the beginning of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. I kind of want to wrap it back to this. This is the beginning of Paul's letter. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. So I'm able to because God enables me to. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So to the church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If we would just be a lightning rod, then blessing comes our way. And when blessing comes our way, there is an overflow. And when there's an overflow, that it impacts others. And when it impacts others, that's good. If you've ever been to a place where it's very dry and you have to water your garden. So maybe your garden's got lots of things in it and every day you have to water it. And it has to be watered by hand. And I know many places I've seen this. You'll find someone goes to the tap and they fill up their watering can and they go and they water their plants, their tomatoes and their courgettes and other things. But here's something I can say without fail. There is always a green patch around the tap. There is always a green patch around the tap because as you fill up the watering can, it overflows. Splashes end up otherwhere. And that means that whatever has seed there is around the tap ends up growing. And so where there is a source of life, there is an overflow. And where there is an overflow, more life comes. And when more life comes, it becomes more attractive. It's the same with the light. When we see a light, we are drawn to it. And when we bring the light that we have, the light that is in us, then that light is multiplied. And as that light is multiplied, others are drawn to us. And I haven't got this scripture, but the scripture talks about the light that's in us. And not, we, we put a light on a lampstand. We, we have a city on a hill where a light can be seen. I want to encourage this church. I want to encourage those listening. And I want to say to this, don't hide the light that is in you. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let me pray. And I want to go back to the picture. And for anybody who's, who's not technically minded, forgive me, but this is the, the illustration that I had. That Sometimes when you want to change settings on a computer, you have to change the settings and you have to reboot so that those settings are adopted. Let me imagine there's a few people listening today, either online later or in the room, whose default setting is grumpiness. And today you want to choose to say, I don't want to choose grumpiness anymore. It doesn't do me any good. It does not prolong my life. I want to choose a different setting. Instead of grumpiness, I'm going to choose joyfulness once in a while. And having chosen that setting, reboot, control, or delete, Allow those settings to take place. Because that's effectively what I believe is going to happen today as I pray. You choose a setting, a godly setting. Control, or delete, reset. Expect change. So whether that's grumpiness to joyfulness. Whether that's stinginess to generosity. 
whether that's from less good choices to good choices. Whether that's the programs that we watch or the time that we give to God or the time that we give to one another. The choices that we make. I'm just going to ask each one of us who's listening to these words today. We'll just choose one area to make a new setting. Allow God to prompt you. Allow God to lead you. Maybe it's in the way you drive. Maybe it's in the way you respond to certain people at work or at home. Maybe it's the way you see people. I'm including myself in this as well, the way we see people. And I'd like each one of us, as it were, to bring before God that setting, that choice, that parameter. And I'm going to pray. Lord, you know what it is that we're looking at right now. Lord, you know what it is that we want to make a change in. And Father, we bring that choice before you now and say, Lord, would you help us? Would you cause us to take that step change? Lord, we would step from the old into the new. We would step from the old fleshly choice to a more spiritual choice. And Father, help us to be more like Christ in that step. Father, I pray for a system reset, a system adjustment, Lord God, a new setting that would cause us to walk more like Christ, to cause us to be closer to what you've called us to be, would cause us to behave more spiritually and less fleshly mindedly. Fathers, we choose to walk your way, choose to do your will. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.